Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Shine football fans, welcome to morning footy. Hey, let's chat some soccer today, yeah. shall we? I'm Susanna Collins <laughs> alongside Nico Cantor, Jordan Angeli joining us at the desk, Alexis Guerreros. We've got Ali Trost Martin in for some headlines. How is everyone's Halloween? Alexis, I know you're just such an enthusiast of the holiday. Oh, yeah, just a bunch of people ringing my doorbell. Uh -huh. I ain't got candy for you, brother. Candy's for me. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you, you eat some candy? candy? I didn't give out candy, no. But you didn't eat any either. Oh, no, I ate some. Yeah, okay, yeah. Good. I bought myself some. We yeah. had the candy out at the desk yesterday, and I definitely treated myself. Me and you went in so on the we take five. We did. Huh? <laughs> we <were> like, oh. <laughs> Sponsor the show, guys. We're no dummies. <laughs> Do you know what's funny? So I put out some candy last night, and number one, a bunch of kids like tried to take the bowl, and I was like, no, that's yeah. not how it works. Nah, fam. But... Wait, you did the honor system? You just left the bowl out? Yeah, I was, I'm lazy. I could, that you was know? after, you said it was after like it an hour. It was after an hour, and, and I was like, yeah, and I was just like, the deluge came, and I was like, just, yeah, She's let him go. She's not No, no, but they tried to steal the bowl. more than that bowl. <laughs> Ian wasn't having it, but I will tell you, there were about, there were at least five kids that showed up dressed as Lionel Messi. Ah, that's what somebody told me also, that on their trick-or-treating, messy everywhere. Yeah. And it was, so the, I feel like that's a very good sign. Did the dad dress as the bodyguard? Because that's the only way it's complete. <laughs> no. No. Oh, we leave that to had, Robert Taylor. If you had a baby or a little kid dressed as the bodyguard and the dad was dressed as messy, that would have crushed. Oh, okay. uh, nice. This, see, you can get into it. I'm an it. ideas guy. <laughs> I don't want to do I'll it. I'll hire you as a Halloween consultant. I got you. How about that? Good. Um, but it is officially November 1st, as Jordan pointed out, Wild. which means that it's now Christmas season. Yeah. <laughs> we just go right in. Also, pay your rent. <laughs> oh, yeah, great know, reminder. Right? Wow. Yeah. This guy over it's here. Depressing. What a guy. I know. He's got to bring it, bring it back down. Um, all right, guys. <laughs> Let's chat some soccer. Uh, we've got some matches today. Carabao Cup action returns, and we have Manchester United playing Newcastle United. Yeah. And so there's some, there's some big teams in action today. Manchester United obviously coming off the demoralizing loss in the Manchester Derby to Man City. And this feels like for them, we talked yesterday a little bit about the German Cup and how certain teams can use this to, to reset, like a, like a Union Berlin. This, they this, could, this could, they could. They could. And that was yesterday. They did it. They did, did it. not. They we'll tried. We'll get into that as well. Oh, they tried. But for, but for United, it just, they, they need, they need a result here. They, they need a, something positive because it has just been, it's been dire, Nico, absolutely dire. And it's not going to be easy against a Newcastle team who beat City to get into this position in this competition. Yeah, it definitely has gotten dire. The thing is that we've always considered EFL Cup as a step below an FA Cup and other competitions, right? It's not a priority for Manchester United to, I, maybe to it should be. win Carabao Cup, but look at what happened last season. Right. That was this was the the tournament 
where after winning it, Eric Ten Hag wrote his message to the fans and that this is the first step in the right direction, but it's not good enough. Like They shouldn't just be satisfied with, uh, with an EFL Cup. I, I think that was the general message that he was trying to portray, that titles are important, but this isn't the most important. we got to keep on moving forward. And it feels like for Manchester United at the end of the day, you end up beating Newcastle and it's, all right, it's the EFL Cup. And I wonder what type of team Newcastle is going to field. And I wonder what team Manchester United is going to field. Because the other hand is you lose to Newcastle and the crisis keeps on coming. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's, it's very difficult for Manchester United to come out here winning. Obviously, convincing performance mm-hmm. with most of the starters would definitely help towards the right direction. But at the end of the day, anything that happens today positively for Manchester United, mm-hmm. results-wise, I feel can be shielded in general with hey, it's EFL Cup. These results need to be happening in the Premier League. If this was a Premier League matchup, it'd be totally different, I think. Jordan, how I just do you feel, feel about this? I feel like if you're Manchester United, you need, you need something to go right. And you can't afford to not field your best team and have that skid continue. So that's been the conversation. It will be the conversation, right? How much rotation will these teams have? Can they afford the rotation? If you put some rotated players out there and you lose, well, then you have an out, right? Oh, we rotated... We tried something we different. We tried something different, and I don't know if that helps the cause. So I think they're in for it. This Newcastle team is relentless in the way that they press. This back line doesn't, for United does not look like they uh, can handle that very convincingly. So if there are rotations, how do they handle a, a team like Newcastle who has a really good system in place? It feels like, to me, this is going to be a, a, a game that Manchester United needs to win. And Newcastle's trying to be, what, one of three teams ever to beat both Man City and Man United in this tournament. Mm-hmm. So they have, they have a lot to play for yeah. as well. And a little bit of revenge mm-hmm. from last year. Certainly. Yeah, it's been an up-and-down season for Newcastle. You know, I, the, at least with the confidence that we all had in them coming mm-hmm. into the season, they've had some pretty shocking results. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm a little – I'm under the impression that maybe they'll take this a bit more serious, an opportunity to give those fans St. James Park a trophy, something to celebrate. You know, Manchester United has won this competition six times. I don't know that they really consider it at the highest level. But, and I also don't know if winning this match stops that slide. You know, maybe it slows it down a little bit, but it feels like this fan base is requesting and wanting more. This might not be it. So part of me wonders if you think, you, you almost overthink it and maybe start Academy Kids and be like, hey, look, we're not even taking this series. We're going to focus. We're going to keep the, the starters we have with injuries and everything. We're going to take our best players and we're going to focus on the Premier League. Let the kids go out. I, that may make them just as angry. I'm not 100% sure. You could, There's just almost no way to win. You, mm-hmm. could, uh, you could win this game 4-0, I feel. As Matt, a win would definitely help the aura mm-hmm. and the energy around sure. United because wins correct any type of crisis right but because it's Carabao Cup you can you can convincingly yeah. win and then lose at Craven Cottage at the weekend and we're back to where we started you get me that that's that's because yeah the EFL Cup doesn't have it doesn't that have the weight. weight it doesn't have it doesn't that have cachet. Yeah, I understand it just it feels like kind of what we're saying here is that a a loss would feel detrimental today as and a win a win wouldn't move the needle as much as a loss would kind of like send Correct. them further mm-hmm. Into the, the depths 
of despair. Mm. Okay, all yeah. right. So that's Fine. a good one. <laughs> uh, I don't let's think we solved on. anything. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. We did it. It's just things are things are bad. Things are bad. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality when you're one of the most successful clubs yeah. in the history of football. Exactly. Who um, wins the EFL is not going to cut a crisis. No, no. It's not, but it can, I don't know, we've, we've just talked about these opportunities to kind of like reset things, and it feels like that could be a moment for, for Eric Ten Hag and Manchester United, but. That's what Copenhagen felt like, and look, you go to Manchester City and you get mopped. I know. At the weekend. Yeah, all right, uh, that game at 4.15 p.m. Eastern on ESPN+. Plus. Let's move it along to another Carabao Cup match to look forward to. We've got West Ham taking on Arsenal, and I think the, the narrative in this one is Declan Rice facing his former Team. This is uh, how he has done with his new club in Arsenal. Two goals and 14 appearances. He's got a couple of assists as well. Alexis, mm. as our resident Arsenal fan, what, what have you made of Declan Rice and his time at Arsenal? I just think week after week he proves to you why he was, or given the valuation that he was, why Arsenal went so hard after someone mm. like him. Uh, you know, it, the recoveries, the ability to transition uh, those recoveries into attack, uh, the ability to be a sort of a, a, almost a coach on the pitch, a leader, if you will. Uh, and also, you know, I, I make light of, you know, the heart and soul, you know, sort of uh, giving it a, putting in a good shift, as they say in England. I kind of make light of that sometimes because you can't really quantify it. But there's times where you see it. Jordan Henderson was one of those players where you could see it on the pitch. Declan Rice is one of those players where you could see it. I think back to his winner at Manchester United and how many are against Manchester United and how many, how the how the rest of the team just completely collided onto him. And you could see immediately he is beloved in this locker room. And on the pitch, he's everything you would want and more from someone playing his position. I, as far as I'm concerned, it was a great signing. Yeah. And I think I can't wait to see him in, in more pressure situations because it feels like he rises to that occasion every time. Mm. And it's gonna, I think it's going to be a really good homecoming for him. I, I think they're going to welcome him back and have a, a nice ovation. He, he put in a good shift at West Ham, and this, this club is going to appreciate him for that. And then once the game starts, I think it's going to be the, the opposite. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like – there, not that there were questions on the evaluation when he came over, but like, wow, that's a, that's a lot for a midfielder. Mm -hmm. And he has proven that he is worth that. that. I love how he fits into this Arsenal squad. Um, I think he is going to continue to dictate the play, especially today. He's going to want to have a good performance mm -hmm. going back home. Yeah. I like what you said about it's a lot for a midfielder because then you look at what's happening at Chelsea between Moises Caicedo and Enzo Fernandez, who are both of very high quality. Mm -hmm. I would put them in the room of Declan Rice, but it hasn't panned out. Declan Rice has brought so much to the table, has lived up to those expectations because he was extraordinary at, at West Ham. Mm -hmm. He was extraordinary at West Ham and he's contagious in the way that he plays. He covers so much ground. He makes those around him better. And that price tag for a midfielder, which we're not used to, he has lived up or is on his way to living up to such an exorbitant price tag that yeah. is, is crazy for someone who's not fulfilling a goal scoring yeah. quota mm -hmm. because you expect that money for a striker, right? I, yeah. I feel like part of it too is just his ability to be coachable. Like he came into this and he's talked about Arteta and how much he's already learned in this short amount of period with him. So it's not just what he has brought, but he's like, I'm, he's still young and he's yep. still growing so much and he's willing to be adaptable in a system and learn so much more. Uh, he's fit in so seamlessly and I think he's only going to continue to be just the center focus of this Arsenal squad. So 
We'll see how it goes today. Yeah, we sure Back will. Back at home. Back at home. West Ham versus Arsenal, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN+. Plus, we are going to take a quick timeout. Ali Trost Martin is going to be back with some headlines when we come back. Stick around, guys. Normally how it would happen is, like, if Landon scored, Clint would go drink water on the sideline or something like that. Oh, <laughs> if Clint scored, Landon would drop down and tie his shoe so they had to avoid say, celebrating together. Just run back. Run you, back to you the You two didn't really like each other. It was just a competitive. It was just a competitive. No, it's not that I didn't like him. I respected him. Respect like, is different to like. I mean, we're totally different people. We like different likes in life, and like we weren't gonna hang out together. But it's not that I didn't like him. He was just—he was the only. The I was only like Shrek. Player. I had layers, you know. It was difficult <laughs> to understand. He's still like yeah. Shrek. <laughs> A lot of layers, but he was—he was like he was elite like that. And so it was like, we all want to be the man and the star and all that. And I was like, this guy's good too. A wow. very interesting conversation with Landon Donovan. It did, a little chilly. Uh, don't miss the latest episode of Kicking It, streaming tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern on Galato Network. Kate Abdo, Clint Dempsey, Moadu, and Charlie Davies sit down with Landon Donovan. This is going to be a very interesting conversation mm. to be privy to because it does feel like when they were playing together, it did seem like they were completely different people just built differently in terms of their personality and there was always that sort of narrative between these two guys that they didn't get along and to see them kind of addressing it just straight up on the couch sitting next to each other I'm I'm intrigued yeah my interest is peaked I, I want to know how the full conversation plays out mm -hmm. and what's the message that is sent afterwards because they don't need to be friends no Who says they don't they have to be friends as long as they contribute and deliver on the field and these are arguably they I mean they are the two best soccer players in the history of the U.S. In fact, they're both the top goal scorers in the history of the program, right? Um, it, it makes me think about the best duo to have ever played for Boga, for example, Riquelme and Palermo. But it's, it's the first example I think of Palermo, who is this prolific international goal scorer, and Riquelme, who was his 10, they didn't like each other. Mm -hmm. mm. And they were the most successful duo, arguably, in, sure. in, in one of the greatest clubs of all time. So the fact that they didn't like each other but they were still able to contribute on the field is is The difference is I think that there has to be, and Jordan, I'm sure you can attest to this, because I'm sure you didn't get along with all of your teammates throughout your career, but there is a respect. Of I did. There's a respect you that you me. have. We've yeah. met you. We've met you before. We know. Um, in, the in, the, in the dressing room, she's like, ah. But for me, it's that uh, level of yeah. respect and I, I that think matters. They're between those two, there had to be a level of respect because when they went on the field, they brought it every single time. The intensity, the contributions, they knew that the other player was going to bring that, mm -hmm. whatever their X factor was. So I, I think that that is always the most important thing because you're not going to ever like everybody in life, but mm -hmm. you, you deal with it and you get I on mean, and I you move towards the Alexis common goal. Every day. Right? I know. Joy of sun, ray of sunshine. That's why I, just... I had like in that era, there were the two different, <laughs> I think fans got to pick who they, who they felt more like. Were mm -hmm. you team Clint or were you team Landon? Clint, for me, he's the one I associated myself with a little more. He had, he had a rap track out. He had a little bit of swag. He had a little bit of an edge to himself. Meanwhile, you know, he was a razor, and, you know, Landon at the time, personality-wise, was a little bit of a butter knife, you know? <laughs> wow. You know? Not much of an edge to him. All right. Hey, Allie, are you a razor or a butter knife? Oh, you guys is... told me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, gotta, 
I think you're. I think you're more of a. I'm going to say a razor. I'm a plastic. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you're a spoon. I'm a, a spork. Actually, spork. <laughs> Ali, I have I have butter knives that on one side it's, it's a little, little serrated, blunt, yeah. and on the other side. I do too. It, it depends yeah. what kind of butter it's knife got, we're talking yeah. right now. Yeah. Some butter knives you can you can cut. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> Of you guys, though, so that's good. That, that helps. Uh, let's get into the headlines. We start with women's soccer news. Some scary scenes in England's UEFA Nations League loss to Belgium yesterday. England defender Alex Greenwood was carried off on a stretcher after clashing heads with Belgian defender Justina Blom. Greenwood was on the ground receiving treatment for 13 minutes. England manager Serena Wegman provided an update after the 3-2 loss to Belgium, saying Greenwood was walking around and, quote, doing fine, but did say that she sustained a concussion. We'll chat more on the Women's Nations League later on in the show. In other women's soccer news, Spanish women's national team defender Irena Paredes was denied a chance to earn her 100th cap yesterday when a computer glitch left her off the roster for Spain's 7-1 UEFA Nations League win over Switzerland. Spain head coach Monse Tome confirmed after the match that she had intended to have Paredes be part of her starting lineup, but the Spanish Federation was unable to properly update their, nation, uh, their team's Nations League roster, leading to the same roster from their September matches being used, which didn't include Paredes. In MLS news, Inter-Miami has officially canceled their scheduled two-match exhibition tour of China due to reported issues with the match promoter. In a statement this morning, the club said, quote, Inter-Miami's ambition remains to expand its global reach by playing in front of incredible fans from across the globe. The club will continue to explore future opportunities with NSN to achieve this goal. Inter-Miami's next chance to show off Ballon d'Or winner Lionel Messi will come in February when Miami takes part in CONCACAF Champions Cup. In other MLS news, league officials are looking into an incident in the Philadelphia Union New England Revolution playoff opener on Saturday. According to multiple reports, MLS has opened an investigation into allegations that union defender Kai Wagner used a racist German slur at revolution forward Bobby Wood. The allegations first reported by The Athletic accuse Wagner of aiming a racist German slur for Asian uh, forward Bobby Wood, who is part Japanese and part African-American and spent more than a decade playing in Germany. In France, Lyon manager Fabio Grasso made his first public comments since being injured in the bus attack that led to the postponement of the Lyon-Marseille-Ligue 1 match. The Italian World Cup hero was left bloodied after being struck by falling glass after the Lyon team bus was pelted by rocks from Marseille supporters. Grasso posted a message on Instagram that read, quote, I hope with all my heart that it can be a lesson for the future. What happened on Saturday evening could have been a tragedy. Nine people were arrested in connection with the bus attack. Nico, we've seen these kinds of bus attacks before, including the Boca Juniors bus being attacked before their Libertadores match against River Plate five years ago. What did they do in Argentina after that to try and prevent these things from happening? Yeah, so similarly to what happened in France, what happened for that Copa Libertadores final in 2018 happened outside the vicinity of the stadium. So it feels like this falls more on the shoulders of police rather than the club. The club can organize with authorities to a certain point, but once you pay for security to be put in place, you expect a certain amount of level of security so that these things can happen. We know how heated the atmosphere can be at Marseille. We know how heated the atmosphere can be for a Lyon team that's sitting dead last. 
it got it was it was wild. They were throwing reportedly, you know, you know, petank, you know, uh, like oh, butcher balls. Oh, those are heavy balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they were really throwing heavy. petank <gasps> balls, and you know, we're talking about if if they hit it right on the money, a, a throw. They're they're blinding Fabio Grosso. It's similar in that Boca River game. A Boca player got shards of glass in his eye, and the, the game was obviously suspended and subsequently played in Madrid, Spain. That's a whole nother conversation, but. There, the, it was really bad. It could have been much worse, but that falls on the police. The, po the yeah. police can't fail like this. Just don't get how we are here. Like how these things happen. I understand we all root for certain teams, but I do not understand how it gets to this point where you are trying to intentionally injure somebody. Like, like you said, that that if that hits you in the head, if it doesn't fall down, that's. There's serious damage, and there already was. We saw those photos. Like, it just makes me disappointed as, like, a sports community in general yeah. that we can't avoid violence. Like, mm -hmm. it's not that hard. Yeah. It is not that hard to just go root for a team and then be over it. I always, I go back to it all the time. I'm always like, sports is supposed to be fun. Yeah, that you know, it it's, just, like, it's makes me a little, it's like, sports. Unfortunately, it's there's large groups of people that don't agree with you. Yeah. That yeah. feel this is too significant to their lives. And that's just, it's a failure of society, really, when you see this. Right. Agree. When you, yes. when you feel, I mean, there was other, part of the video where they're throwing stones and batonk balls. There's a gentleman with his arms out, like, rooting it on. And when you feel like you've gotten to that point, there's, there's got to be a moment where you look, if the, I hope that gentleman looks back at that video and feels an insane amount of embarrassment. Uh, just rooting on people attacking a bus with other human beings mm -hmm. that just happen to wear a different shirt than, than the guys you root for. It's horrific. And yeah. just as a human being, it's embarrassing. Exactly. As, a, as a, a soccer fan who, these scenes leak out into a popular culture in America. And in America, it's different than everywhere else. Soccer is not the number one sport. So these things will hit popular culture. And then those messages will be sent to me like, yo, what's going on? Yo, this is crazy. And how do you, how do you defend this sport when moments like that are what people see? The majority of it. it's it's horrific. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm glad, you know, sometimes we get made fun of here. I, I've had friends in England be like, oh, MLS isn't real because those guys don't fight. And I have to explain to them, like, yo, we don't have health care. Do you know how expensive it is to get punched in this country? It's like $3,000 every time. But at least that has not the not having health care. The fact that we're not fighting each other and we're not doing these things overall. It's not a, a big issue in this country. It has been. But the fact that it's not a big issue almost makes me proud. All right, we, we can go to a game. You can bring your family to a game, and you're not going to have to either witness or, unfortunately, be in the crosshairs of, of, a, of, a, of a bocce ball being thrown through, mm -hmm. the, yeah. through the window of a bus. It's not to say, we're not, we're not perfect here. No, we're not. I, and I, we're have, not. I have been in situations in, in different sports, in, in NFL, or where I have been a traveling fan in Philadelphia. I went to a Chicago Cubs-Phillies uh, game, and I had a guy spit at me Jeez. in the stand. I mean, because I had a, a Cubs shirt on. Hmm. I mean, and literally was like spitting at me and throwing things at me the entire game. That kind of thing does happen yeah. here. We haven't seen it as pronounced in the soccer community in North America, but this is, I mean, it's, it's prevalent. It's much, it's we're, much healthier. They would we're shut immune. it down. Imagine, they would shut it down. Imagine Cubs fans threw bricks through, what was the other team you mentioned? The Phillies. The Phillies. Ima yeah. Or imagine the Philly fans threw bricks through the, the bus of the cup. They would shut it. They would shut the sport down. Sure. Yeah. It wouldn't be, uh, this is horrific. No, it's, uh, we, we can all, we can all do better. Um, yeah, things you hate to see. We are going to take a break now, but the star forward for England and Arsenal women, Beth Mead joins us next. You don't want to miss that conversation.
Chase Russell. Just listen to the reception for Beth Mead. Out for nearly a year, these supporters know exactly what she can do. Mead coming through. It's with a shot! And Dr. Law got something on it, but it wasn't enough. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Well, over the weekend, Arsenal women have a huge matchup against Manchester City. And right now, we are absolutely delighted to welcome in one of the stars for Arsenal as well as England, Beth Mead. Beth, great to see you this morning. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks for having me. Okay, so we got to ask, uh, an 11-month absence from the game after suffering that ACL injury, you make your return against Aston Villa, you get an assist on that game. What was that moment like hearing the crowd at the Emirates? What was going through your mind? It was a crazy day. Um, yeah, the, it was pretty amazing, I think, being at the Emirates, 35,000 people. Um, the reception I got when I came on was pretty special. Um, so I really embraced that moment um, and just kind of came on the pitch and tried to do what I could do. I think we were 1-0 down when I came on, so we scored two goals quite quickly. So it was nice to be part of um, the team that won and get the three points. But, yeah, I was a little bit like a kid at Christmas coming back on that football pitch. Beth, I want to talk to you a little bit just about the growth of the women's game, especially in England. We here in the States, we've, we've been pretty lucky. We've had a lot of support for the women's game. But it seems like in the last few years, England has absolutely caught up and it's just blown up. How's that feel for you to see that transition from when you began your career to now? Yeah, it's been amazing. Um, when I first started out in this league, I think there was 60 to 100 people came and watched us. So to, you know, walk out a stadium such as the Emirates and... We sold out the game, 60-odd thousand people. Um, it's been pretty incredible. And I think for us now, getting them attendances is starting to become the norm. Obviously, since the success of the Euros, um, the game has jumped to a new level and the interest in the game has been incredible. And, yeah, I think it, we had a better attendance overall than um, Bournemouth men last year. So that says a lot where the game's heading. So that's pretty incredible. Beth, do you feel superstar that you are walking on the street people recognizing you I wouldn't say I'm a superstar I think I'm still Beth nothing's changed but other people recognize me a lot more than they used to which I mean I love the personability that the women's game has with the fans so it's really nice to sometimes be recognized and kind of take that time to appreciate people knowing who you are and what level the game's moved to but yeah it's took a little bit of getting used to um in comparison to probably walking down the street and no one having a clue who you were. <laughs> That's I mean, awesome. The, yeah. the growth is, is incredible. Uh, Beth, you're probably not too excited about this, or maybe you are. Talk a little bit about the level of competition and how it's increased within the women's game across a lot of other nations. I feel like England were considered a favorite for this Women's World Cup, and I think you saw there was a lot of other uh, nations knocking on the, on the door. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, obviously watching the World Cup recently, the... Um, I don't think you'd have predicted a lot of games and the teams that had got knocked out at the time. Um, Germany, you know, Germany got knocked out of the group stages. You had Brazil knocked out of the group stages. I don't think anyone would have predicted that to happen, but the, like you said, the competitiveness of the game and the teams that were a lot far behind are catching up now and it's making the game become more competitive and less predictable. And 
for us as an England team, obviously that means we have to go up to a next level. And obviously you guys in an, uh, America are the exact same, you know, teams are catching up to us now. So we've now got to find that next level to find. But it's amazing for the game and people watching back at home. Uh, Beth, we, we mentioned it at the top of the interview, but you missed 11 months with this ACL injury. And unfortunately, we know that injuries are, are part of the game. But can you talk a little bit about your recovery process and what it was like, not only physically, but mentally? A lot of times when there's an ACL injury, there can be a, a little bit of a, a mental block, trying to feeling comfortable and trusting your body once again. What, what has that process been like for you? Yeah, it's been um, an interesting one and, a, like you said, a mental and physical journey. Um, basically from learning to walk and fully extend your knee and bend it again to, you know, being able to jump off the ground and one knee not feeling like a lead weight, um, you know, getting back on and running again, which we use like an Alter G machine, which obviously takes your body weight to then prepare you to get on the pitch and run in straight lines and, my process, I've been quite lucky that it was fairly smooth. I didn't have too many setbacks, but I still spent a lot of time on the... I mean, I was back running on the pitch in straight lines after four and a half months and still didn't come back till six months later. So mentally, that was tough. You know, you're running at the side of the pitch and the team are training, but you can't join in because you're not allowed to do certain aspects of the game yet. Um, or doing your gym sessions and the team go out to train and you're left in the gym alone mentally is it's been tough um you know there's been a few of us who've been in the same boat so it's been a really good support and help and pushing each other and being competitive in the gym but yeah ideally it's not an injury I would ever like to do again I mean you mentioned it there was you had several teammates that were also kind of going through this injury together and uh, you know Arsenal had they got kind of decimated with these ACL injuries what is what has the club been doing to to mitigate this moving forward because it's something that you hate to see and it's a part of the game that we you know it just takes away from the product what 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 have they done from your perspective yeah I think the club have been been great you know we've we've looked into it I think you know that unfortunately the game at the moment has been riddled with ACL injuries both in the men's and the women's game and all over the world um you know 26 players missed a world cup because of this injury and we are trying to do things here at the club. We're trying to look into it. Um, there's unfortunately not a definitive answer um, that can help us right now, but there's a lot of factors that can be put in that could affect that injury. And I think, you know, scheduling's been crazy over the last few years. And like we've spoke about earlier, the game's moving to a new level, but the demands of that new level become increasingly hard as well. So... I think it's just try to get it right. Can we manage people? Can we, you know, look at the scheduling and try and figure it out a little bit better? Um, but unfortunately, there's too many factors to give a definitive answer to why it's happening so often. Beth, first of all, I just want to say sidebar, that Maharishi jacket looking crazy on you right now. It's beautiful. Um, I can't wait to get mine in the mail. I do. I want to ask you about that recovery period because we've heard Charlie, who's one of, uh, one of the folks on the show with us, used to play for the men's national team. He's talked about how some injuries can be very lonely because you're not with the team that you're used to. There's different ways we can all handle that, you know, our, our recovery from a big injury. We're hearing that Leah Williamson gave you a karaoke machine to help you with your recovery. <laughs> we got to know, what's the song? What what was what's the top song for karaoke? Yeah, she bought me a karaoke machine for my birthday. Um, we like a bit of music on during our treatment, so why not sing our own? But 
think it was actually me and Kim Little sacking a backstreet number. Ooh. Yeah, so we went a bit old school, but I got Kim on the mic as well and we entertained. I can't say we'll make we'll sound like Adele anytime soon, but we've been working throughout this throughout the rehab, but it's just them little things where you give each other a little bit of energy and you know, spur each other through the day. And I think in them hard moments, you know, when everyone's gone out to the pitch and we're still sat there in the recovery room, it's sometimes nice to give us a little bit of happiness and motivation. Yeah. Kind of just wanted to zoom in on that because you talked about the recovery process physically, but these moments where you're singing karaoke songs, the recovery process mentally is also a struggle. That might be anecdotal, but how was the development of your mentality throughout your injury helping you to finally be where you want it to be? Yeah, I think mentally you were tested throughout this um, rehab. I think trying to hit markers and not quite reaching them or being told a date and it being pushed back and not being quite ready. Um, don't get me wrong, I struggled with a, a, a lot of parts of it and I think that's fairly normal. It's, you know, up to a nine to 12 month injury and you've got people telling you when you're so, so close that you're not quite ready when actually mm. you feel great. So mentally, I think getting over them blocks and again, I'll go back to how much of the amazing support I've had through the club, through my teammates, through family, through friends that have, you know, just reminded me and grounded me in the reason why I'm here and what I'm doing. And I've often said you know there's someone or is worse off you know I'm out with this injury but ultimately I'll come back and play football again um some people have things that they can't come back from so I think my outlook on that is just to try and stay positive and try and push myself and do the exact same with other people when they need it and sometimes just give them some loving when they need it as well Mm, amazing attitude. Um, well, the good news is you are back on the pitch and Arsenal have a big match coming up this weekend against Manchester City. What's the focus mm -hmm. for the team leading into this one? Yeah, I mean, again, it's a quick turnaround. A lot of the girls are playing for the national teams tonight um, and we'll try and get back in and get our analysis on. I mean, City have done incredible. They've had an amazing start to the season. Um, you know, they've not had much change within the squad, so they've played with each other and they know what they're about and it should be an amazing game, you know, two big teams, two very good footballing teams. Um, it's always been a good match and yeah, looking forward to it. So yeah, hopefully we can get the win, but it's a big game this weekend. Well, Beth, great to see you. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Uh, continued success and health leading forward. Thank you. All right, guys, we are going to take a break on Morning Footy, but a lot more to come from us. Stick around. We'll be right back. <laughs> 